Good morning, Grace. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being there online. Great day to be here at Grace Covenant Church. Welcome back from spring break, you spring breakers. Spring is sprung. This is a beautiful day. We're going to have uh, pizza under the trees later. Love you to stay. That'll be fun. And the reason I'm glad you're here, I'm glad I'm here, is we're going to look at Ecclesiastes uh, chapters 11 and 12, the last two chapters of this great book. And they, they changed my life. I mean, they, they, were in, they were meant to. I hope they change yours as well. My story starts in 2009. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, my brother had been planning for years for this vacation that he was looking forward to. He was taking his two sons to Machu Picchu to look at the ruins there. And to get ready for this, because it's, it, it's a lot of exercise, he wanted to get in great shape. He was in good shape, but he wanted to get in great shape. So he hired a personal trainer and they did all sorts of workouts, and uh, he, he told me he was bench pressing over 300 pounds. That's a lot of weight for someone his size, and it was his lifetime high. He's never stronger in his whole life. He went to Cedar sinai Hospital and went, did one of those executive wellness physicals, head to toe, inside, outside. Everything was perfect, full bill of health. He came in for Thanksgiving. We usually, the whole Cassidy's have Thanksgiving together, and we were talking about like how good a shape he was in and what life looks like. He's 51 years old and he said, you know, uh, I got to rearrange my future. I just, you know, I, both of us had not planned on ever seeing 70 years old. There's some genetic reasons and then there's lifestyle choices uh, that we just, we never thought we'd make it to 65, 70 years old. And so we're both talking about what if we live to 70 or 80, maybe even 90, I don't know, we better, we better start saving or something. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he left, for th left after Thanksgiving in the December, he and his two sons went to Machu Picchu. Here's a picture of them in front of the ruins. And then just hours after that photograph was taken, Mark had a massive heart attack, I think, we think. And, and then he, he died there in Peru. And it was devastating for everyone um, that, whose life he touched and particularly the family, rearranged a, a lot of our ways of thinking. And for me, I was, especially since our last conversation was about how long we were going to live, I thought, I'm living with a lot of assumptions in my life. I was assuming that I would live maybe another decade or two. And I felt like, I'm not, I don't, no more. I'm not going to live that way anymore. So 2010, uh, maybe as an expression of grief or reality, I added to my calendar, my fancy phone calendar, this event. Matt Cassidy died. And on the day of Matt Cassidy died, that repeats every year, there's a six-month warning and then a three-month warning and a one-week warning. It's like, you better get ready. Here it comes. It's your death day. And I know even that's presumptuous, right, that I would live another year, but <clears throat> that event of adding that to my calendar, it, it has been liberating. It is freeing. It is clarifying. It is filtering because now it's about quality, not quantity. In everything, in every part of my life, I am reminded I've got to make life count I'm going to live life without regret. A life without regret. Boom. That's a great sermon. That'll preach. And that's what this sermon is. 
Chapters 11 to 12 of the book of Ecclesiastes is Solomon's final sermon. He's got a preacher. The preacher is preaching these sermons, and his big idea is life is a vapor. It'll be, be gone before you even understand it, and you need to live that way. This is a brilliant sermon. He's going to end this, these 12 chapters with a haymaker, a knockout punch, and he will use some of the most beautiful poetry that has ever been penned. Solomon wants us to live a life without regret. There are two kinds of regret. There's living with regret and there's dying with regret. When you're living with regret, <clears throat> you, you're, well, you're still alive. And so <laughs> you can change things. You don't have to just say, I'm sorry, or feel like I'm sorry. You can actually, if you can well up the courage, you can make an inventory of the offenses that you've, you've made against other people and then take responsibility for them. There's a possibility now of, of reconciliation and a restoration of, of relationships. Wow, that's living with regret. But when you die with regret, you go to the grave with that. You're, you're out of time. All you can say is sorry. You just keep saying it, or you crying it. Just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For the most of us in this room, the last days of our lives, the dying days, will be in a bed like this, hospital bed or hospice bed. The clipboard at the end, that has your name on it. If you could just stop for one moment and picture yourself in that bed. It might be when you're 92, it might be next week. There's no way of knowing. When you're in that bed, people are coming in and out of the room, and you're going in and out as well. You could be surrounded by friends and family. You could be there all alone. When does that happen? No one knows. God knows. But it will happen. It could be days or it could be decades. And Solomon's coming here, and he's saying, look, when you're in that bed, there is nothing you can do with the choices that you've made. You've lived with them, and when you're in that bed, you're going to die with them. That's why Eric Erickson, some of you that have studied counseling, uh, Eric Erickson is one of the founders of counseling, and he has what's called the eight uh, uh, stages of development. And in his eight phases or eight stages of development, each one of those stages has a positive and negative consequence. In other words, you could be better or worse for each one of these stages. In the last stage, when he's talking about, generally speaking, older people, when they're in that season of life, there's the two destinations are ego integrity and ego despair. Despair. Ego integrity is when you've lived a life and you've won without regrets, you'll probably be known for your wisdom. Ego despair is a life of regret, a life of, and you're ending it with bitterness and loss. And if you've ever been on the side of a bed of someone that's living with e ego despair, you know you can't console them. They'll just lay there and weep, and there's no lying to people on a deathbed. And so you can't say they're there. Well, all you can say is what they've said, and that is, I'm sorry. You're right. You wasted the life. You spent it poorly. So Solomon is like, he's speaking to us from that bed, right? When we get to 11 or 12, 
He's, he, this, this sermon is the climax of the, of the whole series, and he's saying from this bed with the same intensity that he's had in the previous 10 chapters, but now he's saying it with a great amount of a passion, like whatever strength that he could muster with his arms and his voice, he's grabbing us, if he could, by the collar and saying, look, don't live with regret. You, cannot, you can't live with regret because you can't afford to die with regret. He says, there's four regrets. There's four regrets in life. Believe me, Solomon says, I know what these are. Here are the four regrets. Don't, don't live with them. Don't die with them. The first one is missed enjoyment. Be grateful. Missed enjoyment. Be grateful. Old Testament scholar Kidner calls these next few sentences. He says, these are the bliss of being alive. Look what he says. Oh, how sweet the light of day and how wonderful to live in the sunshine. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy all of them. Let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness. There will be many. Everything to come is mysterious. He's saying every day is a gift from God. He says it right there. And, and life is a good thing, whether it's painful or confusing or whatever it might be. Some people wake up in the morning and they say, good morning, Lord. Other people wake up and they say, good Lord, it's morning. Solomon's saying, don't be that second guy. The issue here is attitude of the heart. This has to do with the health of the human soul, being grateful, that is. We should be grateful for every day. Be grateful you're alive, you lucky dog, is what he said before. Be grateful for every day. And here's why. He says, here's why. Because the days of death are coming. The days of darkness are long. Those are coming. They're going to happen for sure. But it says right now, in the daylight, enjoy all of them. Solomon's saying there's so little difference between waiting to live and waiting to die. And he interrupts and says, would you stop waiting and start living? Start living. And here's how it begins. When you have this attitude of the heart that he's talking about, you have a grateful heart. You are thankful. To not be grateful, to not be thankful for the simple things of life, just life itself, it is, it is a sin that goes all the way back to the original sin. Think about it. In the Garden of Eden, this is the sin that Adam and Eve commit. They, God <laughs> lavishly provides for them literally paradise. And they're thinking, the temptation, the Satan is plucking this string that vibrates this way. Is there something else, though? Could it be just a little bit better here? <laughs> Are you withholding something from me? When we're, when we're not grateful, we're just right back there in the garden saying, could it be better, though, Lord? I bet it could. Lack of gratitude. If you feel a lack of gratitude in your soul, I hope you, like you, you, you're alarmed. I, mean, I can think of a few times in my life where when I was bottoming out, and that was the most pervasive piece of evidence that I could not be grateful. I could not be thankful. Like God owed me more. If someone's told you in your life that you don't appreciate things, you should listen. You should kind of be scared. If you are a parent, you know this in your own children, right? Uh, besides the perfunctory being polite, thank you for this gift or whatever it might be, that's, that's being polite or civilized. I'm talking about if you see in your child kind of this over, 
overflowing sense of enthusiasm for simple gifts or life's provisions, you, you step back and you say, that's a healthy soul. That's a spirit that like, is, is in tune with, with God, with the way things ought to be, when they can be grateful, when they can be appreciative. I mean, look at the two sentences. I love the way he writes the two sentences right here. Every day is a gift. Oh, how sweet the light of day. How wonderful to live in the sunshine. Enjoy all of them. All of them. Every day is a blessing. <laughs> uh, are you blessed? I'm blessed. Are you blessed? I'm blessed. I mean, relationship-wise, my wife loves me. Most of the time, she likes me. My three children, they are neither in jail or in the hospital as of this morning. They mostly like me. That's a blessing, relational blessing. I have a few friends. If you have any friends, you are blessed. Those are gifts from God. Material blessings, I'll go into, but you can't hate me for this because I'm rich and God has blessed me. It's not fair, but I'll just tell you, I know these days you're supposed to not like people that have more than you, but listen to the way I live. Here's just like last Monday. Last Monday, Melinda and I wanted to just do some sightseeing. And so uh, we, I, Monday's my day off. Oh, there it is. Okay, so I have a day off. So I don't work seven days. I work, I have Monday off. And so I said, look, let's take my car. There it is again. She has a car too. We each have a car. So I said, let's go sightseeing. Let's go around Austin and see some of the fun stuff because that's a pretty city. And she said, sure, just a minute. And so what we did is, it's part of the wealth uh, management I have to live with, but we have a, we have a box uh, in the kitchen and it's a magic box and you put all the dirty ditches in the magic box and you just close it. And then we have a magic box in this other room around the corner and you put all your dirty clothes in that box and you close it. And then you just like leave. And so we left for two hours. And when we got back, like leprechauns or something, I don't know, like elves came and they cleaned all those things. And we opened the boxes up and the dishes were completely clean. And the clothes, all you had to do is transfer them over to this drying box. So we didn't even have to hang them up like I did when I was a kid. Then, then they just dried them. All you have to do is figure out who's going to put away the dishes and who's going to fold the clothes. That's how easy our life is. I know, but sometimes there's issues there. We have a 40-year-old house that is climate-controlled. Sometimes with a 100-year blizzard, it kind of hiccups, but for the most part, and when I say climate-controlled, watch this. Of all the boxes, all the magic boxes in our house, there's this one. It's this big. It literally controls the climate in my house. You go over to that box, and you touch the buttons, and you type in what temperature you want it. And regardless of what's going on outside, that's the temperature inside. The problem with the box is Melinda keeps putting the wrong number in there, but <laughs> the box is doing what it's told to do. I'm just telling you, that's the way I'm living. I'm living in that kind of life. I'm blessed. Are you guys blessed? Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, you go, oh, dear God, I am so blessed. I am so blessed. Did you know you cannot wear out God with gratitude? He will never grow tired of his children just like open hands going, dear Lord God, that you would love me and you would like me and you would choose me and you would give me provisions. You picked me. I'm blessed. That's a sign of a healthy soul. That's a regret if you miss that. 
if you miss enjoyment. The second regret, he says, is, is missing opportunities, missed opportunities. He's saying, played hard inside the fences, played hard inside the fences. In, in a single sentence, this is how you're supposed to live life. Verse 9, you are young. <laughs> Be happy while you're young and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Just follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eye sees and do whatever it says. But, but no, but no that all these things God will bring into judgment. <laughs> Do you see what he, these are commands, by the way. Look at the way they're written. These are commands. He's saying, hey, you should be happy. Not should, you be happy. It says, let your heart give you joy. Look what Old Testament scholar says about these. Enjoyment is not, a, not only permitted, it is commanded. It is not only an opportunity, it is a divine imperative. Can you have a positive, it's positive commands. It's funny, when we get a command from God that we don't like, we go like, okay, I'm on that. And then we get a command like this and we go, well, I don't know. I mean, look like a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. He's saying, do this. He said, go get yourself some innocent happiness. Get on that right now. Inside the moral fences that I've built to protect you, by the way, inside those fences, run and play, run and play. I really wonder this, I do. If sometimes, if we really listen to God in the middle of our dramas and, and we just heard his voice and we said, woe is me, what are we gonna do? I think, I think he, what if he said something like, why don't you just, I don't know, take your shoes off and walk barefoot in the grass a little more? You're taking this way too serious. Not everything's about career enhancement. Not everything's about responsibility. I know some of you are thinking, Matt, life's a responsibility. And, I'm, and I want to tell you, that's why people don't invite you to picnics. Okay? Because look what this says. I know there's passages on responsibility. I know that. That's not, look what this says. It says you're responsible for having joy. <laughs> to be joyful. And to not miss opportunities of joy. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. Yeah, just step up. <laughs> a little more than we thought we'd get. Not, yeah, it's okay. There'll be discipline involved. No. Failure, failure to enjoy life is an offense against God. It's not an oversight. It's an offense against God. Think, think about this again as a parent. If you were to like save up your coins and, and you really wanted to get this big kind of extravagant gift for your child and you, and you give them this like an electric convertible car, Right? And they get this car, and you love to watch them enjoy that. If they deliberately broke it, okay, that's wrong. That's unethical. But if they, if they just put it in their room and just let it collect dust, or maybe shine it every day, either way, you would say, well, that's not it either. That's wrong against that electric convertible. And here's why. You want that child to... Wear that car out. <laughs> I want you to drive it till the wheels come off. Enjoy it. Show me that you're enjoying it. Here's the nature of love, especially selfless love. Love is expressed when I get to watch you enjoy the gift that I gave you, right? This is, this is the nature of relational love is when, when you get to enjoy someone else having fun with what you gifted them. And that's what God is saying here in Ecclesiastes. Go have joy. Look, if, if Yahweh himself, like you go outside tomorrow and in your driveway is this, 
That's an electric convertible. They get better with adults, right? Yeah, that's a Bentley convertible. And, it's ele- and it just says, let's just assuming it's not this anonymous giver. He just wanted to help. No, it's like God himself from Yahweh in gold. How many people, especially in the church, would go, I don't know. I might, I might crash it. I bet, like, I'm not going to let it leave the driveway. Well, you might as well not even own it, right? Why even have it? I don't deserve this. Look at you telling God who gets what and what his values are. Well, I mean, what if other people saw me, like, enjoying this extravagant car? Who cares? Uh, let me think of another one. Um, well, we'll have the top up all the time because I don't want to mess up my hair. There's a lot of really bad reasons why you wouldn't enjoy this car. The point is, God would say, drive safe, you know, take good care of the car, but drive it into the, like, wear it out. Wear this gift out, right? Is that the way you see God? That he wants us to enjoy life every day of it? Because there's a gift that's way bigger than that electric convertible Bentley. And here it is. It's today. It's today. And some people, listen to your heart. Oh, I don't know. I'm afraid I might hurt something or break something or whatever. If you're going to live in fear, you're not living. Somebody else have that day, that life. I don't deserve it. You don't know where I've been. There you go again. Telling God who gets what and what his values are. What if someone saw you having a really great time with today? That'd be okay, right? Might even get your hair messed up. Sometimes when you're having joy, you get muddy. God would say this, drive safe, take care, but (laughs) like wear it out. Wear out today. Today is the only March 21st, 2021 that has ever and will ever exist. So like bon appetit. You know know how you, you get grumpy old people? You know how you become a grumpy old person? It's really simple. Just do nothing. Just do nothing because ingratitude is a sin like cancer and it just, it just takes over your whole soul unless you cut it out. So the application is whatever brings you joy, whatever brings you joy inside those fences, you go and do that. I know some of you would, I mean, what brings you joy is climbing some crazy high mountain. Well, good for you. Go do it. I like staying at the foot of the mountain, watching you climb that mountain, sipping on some iced tea. I'm not climbing mountains. You can't, don't wait till you get a terminal disease and then you say, I'm going to start living right now. It doesn't cost much. You could go downtown and rent a Segway. Learn to dance. Learn to, learn to cook. Learn to fight. Learn to, like, grow vegetables. Learn to shoot skeet. I'll tell you this. When you shoot vegetables as skeet, it's a lot of fun. Okay, when you see like a vegetable explode with a 12 gauge, it's like, I mean, the angels go, I've never, I've never seen that. I didn't know that's why he made those. No. Enjoy it. First regret you're going to have, but don't live with that is, is to miss enjoyment. Be grateful. Missed opportunities. Play hard. The next one is, is, the next regret is to have a heavy heart. 
So he says, so then, look how it continues with his happiness, and here's what's keeping you from it. So then, banish anxiety from your heart. These are orders. Cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are vapor. <laughs> it's a, in, in Proverbs, it says, guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. The idea is, like, protect innocence. There's so much power in innocence. And how sometimes you can lose innocence, not by committing acts of immorality, but actually just putting all this load on yourself and, and too much responsibility and taking on the cares of the world that don't belong to you, right? It's, um, it, it, it's like you say, man, I, I, I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders here, honey. It's like, well, who put it there? Like, really? Did you put all that weight there? Or are you hearing an echo from a mom or a dad or a coach or something? Well, who, who, why are you living like that? I mean, here's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to work, study, do whatever really hard, as hard as we possibly can, and then leave the results to God. And what happens a lot of times is since the results aren't coming, we feel like we've got to do stuff past due diligence and into this other field, this other area. <laughs> You cannot control the ocean, so just ride the wave, man. It's a sin to try to over-control things. Um, it's just, if grumpiness is caused by ingratitude, then this over-anxiety is the sin that leads you, that, that starts with trying to control. Here's how I love uh, the message is a translation. It's a loose living translation. Here's how, they, uh, how he translates these few verses. I love this because it makes it clear. Don't take a single day for granted. Take delight in each light-filled hour. You who are young, make the most of your youth. Relish your youthful vigor. Follow the innocent impulses of your heart. Refuse to worry. You won't be young forever. <laughs> God has been accused of being a killjoy by the serpent. And the church has listened to him. It goes all the way back to the garden. How many, how many of you know this story? Let me just tell this story and you just will raise your hands in a minute. This guy works hard, ambitious, climbing that ladder. He works hard at work. He works hard at home. He's working. He's got big plans for retirement. He's going to go places, see things. The day finally comes, and within a year, he is graveyard dead. Does anybody know someone that died a year after they, quote, you know, started at retirement? See your hands. Even at home. I know, right? And so Solomon's saying, don't live like that. Today was a gift. Don't just like ring it out. Get every bit of joy out of it. I had a conversation with a woman a number of years ago. She was just past retirement. And she, she just said, look, I, I'm running with these ladies that they just seem to think about negative things a lot. And when you get older, there's a lot of negative things to think about. Uh, and she said, I, I've tried to change the conversations. I've actually confronted the group like, hey, why don't we just be positive and enjoy life a little more? And it wasn't, it wasn't working. And she's like, I just don't know what to do. And I pray for them. And I said, I, I can help you, but it's going to be hard. And she said, well, what? I'll do it. And I said, find new friends. Find new friends. Look at you. You're young and you're running out of days. And these people, 
I'm not sure they can be converted. You've tried. Why don't you go find those ladies running around in red hats? They're out there every time I see them in the airport, they're all having fun. So go find fun people and be grateful because your days are numbered. That's what he's saying. You'll never regret ending a relationship with a sourpuss. You'll never regret ending a relationship with a person that's not grateful and doesn't want to take advantage of every enjoyment. Here's the last regret. The last regret is not serving God when you're young. This is chapter 12. He says this. Remember. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the days of trouble come and the years approach you when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. There'll be a day, those days of dying that we've talked about, where you're not going to find any pleasure in them. That's old age he's speaking of. And before we move on to the details, he, I want to emphasize this word, remember. When it says in Hebrew, remember, it's different than maybe our English or, or Greek word, remember. That word me means recollect. It's like the post-it note on your mirror. It says, oh, don't forget God today. This remember is an active word. It's a powerful word. It's a responsible word. And it's used throughout the Old Testament as a person doing something for someone. So in 1 Samuel, there's a story you might be familiar with where Hannah is barren. She wants to have a child. She's desperately calling upon God. Could you give me a child even in my old age? And the Bible says, and Yahweh remembered Hannah. And he didn't just recollect her. He caused her to conceive. He allowed her to have a baby. And so that's that cause that happens. So he's talking, when he talks about remember here, he's saying, when you're young, when you're full of vigor, you do something with that towards God. So this is the introduction to one of the most beautiful allegories and poetry that you'll see in the Bible. And what, he, what Solomon's going to do is, is uh, picture and project the human anatomy, this, the body, as, as a house that's working its way towards condemnation. The various body parts and the various parts of this house are falling apart. And he's saying, look, when you're in this dying bed, is you're going to wish that when you were young, you would have served the Lord with all those body parts that are working when you're young. So that's, that's the way he's doing this in this dying bed. He goes, he's, he's saying this with great passion. <laughs> use your youth. Use your youth your health and your body to glorify God. I want you to picture yourself in the, in the bed. I'll read these passages back and forth. I'm going to read from the Living Translation because I love what they did. They put remember at the beginning of each one of these sections because that's kind of the in, intent of the author. Remember him with this body part. Remember him with that body part. So here we go. Watch this. Remember him in the light in, before the light of, of the sun and the moon and the stars dim to your old eyes. The rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house, start to tremble. Before your shoulders, the strong men begin to stoop. When you're in that bed, you're going to wish that you used your legs to carry luggage for a missionary. You might not have the wisdom or the experience to be a missionary when you're young, but you've got the anatomy for it. So why don't you just like spend a summer helping some guy that knows what to do or a language, travel or fix their house up. Why don't you use your body, that arms, those arms, those legs? Why don't you be the guy on the street that the older people call to come and help them? 
You can glorify God with your arms and your legs, he says. You're going to wish you did when you were in that bed. You're going to wish you did. In the next section, he says, remember him before your teeth. Your few remaining servants stop grinding. Before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Man, he's saying, if I, were, if I knew now what I knew, if I knew now what I knew then, I would do this. I'd take my eyes places. I would glorify God by going to the mountain, by, by going to the oceans, by enjoying the desert. Do that. Let your eyes experience that because when you're in the bed, there's no more travel left. There's no more just watching. And the teeth that you have, that's for smiling. That's for worship when you just smile at God's creation. That's what he's telling you to do. Verse 20, verse 4, rather, 12, 4, he says, Remember him before the door of life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. There's just ears are going out. And when you rise up for the first chirping of a bird, your, your sound goes out, your, noise, your ears go out, but you can hear a bird, and that's all it takes to wake you up. On the other hand, but then all the sounds will grow faint. Oh, if I had my ears back, he's talking to us, I'd listen to beautiful music. Music, it transcends this life, you know. We take music with us to heaven. It's the universal language. It, it, I would listen to beautiful music with great phones on my head. I'd protect my ears and I would enjoy the Lord. I would smile through that because when I get to that bed, no, won't hear a thing. Five and six. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about the dangers in the streets, before the hair turns white like the almond tree in bloom, and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper. Caperberries, no longer able to inspire you for sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home, when the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yeah. Remember your creator while you're young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well. He's talking about our brain. He's talking about our heart. Boy, when, you're, when your mind is functional, you could spend time meditating on the word of God. And it could start making sense to you. And the word of God is a means, not an end. And the end is that you might know God better. You could use your mind to ponder the greatness of God. You could use your heart to like work in the sun and serve God in that capacity. Verse 7 summarizes, and then the dust will return to earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it to him. Old age is the final harvest. Old age is, is your life is a barn full of everything you've planted and now it's been harvested and that's your life. Old age, that eighth stage, it's like a lake and every one of the eight stages, seven stages are rivers that lead into that and now you have to swim in it. Your old age is a portrait. And the canvas, that's your lot. And there might be some evil and dark tones on that, but you choose what paints you'll use to express your faith in God's goodness and his providence. And you take that barn and you take that lake 
and you take that portrait and you deliver it to God and you let him enjoy that. Old age, it can be a blessing and it can be a curse because now you're just living and then dying with the consequences of your life. And so that's why he says this. This is a life without regret. This is it. It's this simple. Now when all has been heard, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil, whether it's good or evil. That's how life works. Fear God and keep his commandments. All of his commandments. All of them. And part of his commandments is to enjoy life and be grateful. One of his commandments is to, to take advantage of every opportunity and run wild within the fences. One of his commandments is to banish anxiety from your life because you're taking it too seriously. You're not God. Position filled. Now dance. That's, Augustine said it this way. Simple sentence. Love God and do whatever you want. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Once lordship is established, just, now you just get to live life. And see, here's the thing. When the rocks are melting and the oceans are burning, at that point, you'll look back and be glad you lived this life that Solomon has instructed us. God only wants goodness for you and for me. And sometimes it's only God that wants goodness for us. We need to believe in that goodness. Here, right now, this is the youngest you will ever be for the rest of your life. This is it, you young people. He's talking to all of us. All you young people, use that youth to enjoy God and all that he's given us because, because we'll be in that bed sooner than we think. Life's a vapor. But between now and then, drink. Drink it all. And enjoy that. And that enjoyment, that's worship. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are, uh, for so many people, they just don't understand how much you enjoy us enjoying you. And so, Lord, I'd ask that you would um, give us this conviction that it's also a sin to not be grateful. It's also a violation of a command not to take an opportunity to drink in the moments of life, that every day is a gift. It is a sin to carry more than we were, that more than is our lot. And so, Lord, we confess these sins, and the confession of these sins, if they would lead to repentance, would cause us to be glad and enjoy you and the many blessings you have. I, I, Lord, I am sorry that I have grieved you in my melancholy, how I can spin out so easily into all things wrong when the sun is shining and my heart is beating and my mind is currently working. Lord, I'd ask that you would help me, help us, be a church known for its joy. And that joy would be infectious, contagious, and very attractive to those who want more in life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.